Welcome to Data Hurdles, a weekly podcast where we explore the impacts data and technology have on our day-to-day lives. My name is Michael Burke. And I'm Chris Detzel. All right, so welcome to another Data Hurdles. I'm Chris Detzel and... I'm Michael Burke. Michael, it's good to have you on again. Thanks, Chris. Happy to be here. It's Friday. All right. Friday, and you know this is our <laughs> typical time to do this. But uh, so today we're going to talk about how we can make uh, decisions around data. Yeah, and this is an interesting one. You know, a little off of some of the other things we've been talking about with machine learning and going deep into like reinforcement learning and some of this other yeah. stuff. Chris and I were talking, and we sat back. We said, you know what? I don't know about you, you, Chris, but like most of my friends do not make decisions with data that I know. Most of the people that I know, they they make it off of emotion. And mm-hmm. it's so valuable to talk about how you can make a decision using data and data literacy in general. Yeah, I agree. So uh, when you say data literacy, what do you mean? What's the... Right. So really all data literacy is, is the ability for someone to make an informed decision using data, right? Giving you the, the empowering you to be able to break down complex information and use it to make a more informed decision that gives you some kind of advantage, right? And a great, great. example, so, oh, go ahead. Uh, I was about to ask that. So go ahead with the example. <laughs> a great example of this is something like, you know, working out right? Mm. Or trying to diet, right? You might think when you're trying, let's say you're trying to lose 30 pounds or whatever, you're working at it. Every day you wake up, you have these emotional responses, a feeling of hunger to want to eat something or snack something. And you're not keeping track of what you're putting in your body, right? If you use data in the very simplest terms to understand what you're putting into your body, whether it's filled with fat and sugar or whether it's something that contains protein and nutrients and vitamins, you're able to better understand statistically whether you're going to lose that weight or not. And if you combine that with being able to track your exercise and other things that, you know, improve the health of your body, you can get to where you need to go, you know, pending you don't have any other um, circumstances that are, you know, um, anomalies, right, to the general person or the average person, you should be able to lose that weight, right? But most Americans don't do that, right? And I think Maybe that's just almost world, everybody, yeah, it's just the world, right? But staying disciplined in, in using data allows you to have that transparency and accountability that you just wouldn't have otherwise, right? So can I tell a little story? Because uh, I think this is a good one. It's about my wife that... Um, you know, she, she's a big time marathon runner and, you know, she's, she's run Boston about to be her 10th time in a row and a bunch of other marathons. Um, but so to be able to do that, right. You know, you, you have to train. And so when you train, you have to run X number of miles every single, uh, month, week, et cetera. And if you don't train to, to get to that time that, you know, you, you want to get to, to Boston, so you have a certain amount of time depending on your age and gender. And so um, she has to do that, right? Train hard and, and then she's got to then think, okay, well, I'm running 40 miles a week. I'm running 80 miles, I don't know, whatever that number is. And I'm doing, you know, uh, long runs. I'm doing some sprint type runs or, you know, those just different types of things. And so to be able to do that, you have to take that data and data like, okay, 
am I running X number? How many miles am I, am I running? And then all those things. Then there's the effect of diet, right? You know, and to kind of bring that in into, so, you know, I need to lose probably five pounds, 10 pounds, you know, she didn't have to lose much, but, but to be able to lose that, because your body gets used to all that exercise and you're not losing it any more weight, you have to change your diet. So then yep. you got to think about how many calories am I taking in? Not just calories, but am I eating the right proteins? Am I am I taking in enough carbohydrates? You know, you need to do all of that stuff. And then eventually it becomes way more technical than, hey, I need to go exercise. Right. You know, right. It's just part of it. You've got exercise, you got diet, you got types of shoes, you got types of you know, sports bras, all these things that make, you've got your watch, you know, things that help you get better as a runner, but you have to take all that data. I mean, all that stuff is calculated on the watch and everything else. She's going to a dietitian. She now is working out with a weight trainer, but she also uh -huh. has a coach that helps her train to, to, to really get her, you know, at the best possible, um, uh, speed that she wants to get to for that marathon. And, and, the cool thing is, is that because you're obsessed with all of these metrics, yeah. you start becoming a well-oiled machine and you start fine-tuning little things that make a big difference. Maybe it's you have to stretch for an extra 10 minutes before the run, right? Maybe it's there's one type of food that sure. you just shouldn't eat, you know, um, before any race or you should eat, right? And these little things enable you to have big performance improvements or maybe just little incremental performance improvements yeah. that give you that competitive edge to place in a race. Right. Yeah. And to me, every big decision in your life, you can use the same pattern. If you become obsessed and you start thinking about it and thinking about all those variables that you need to track, um, you will have an, a competitive advantage eventually. Right. One way or another. Um, and I'm not saying you're going to go off and, and solve the impossible, right? But you will make yourself a better, more informed, more accountable, more transparent person by tracking personal things in your life, right, with data. Another thing is, if we were talking about this earlier, your wage, right? Almost everybody I know, they make a wage and uh, they spend it, right? Or they maybe save a little bit and they spend most of it. And that's how they live their life. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? But when you think about well, what would happen if I took that little savings and I made an informed decision into an investment, right? Or what if I just was able to save a little bit more? What does the trajectory of my life look like? How is that going to change my life 20 years from now if that's compounded with interest, right? Yeah. Or, hey, I've been making the same wage for the last five years. What's happened? Now, all of a sudden, I can't buy as much, right? Right like the market has changed, the cost of goods has gone up, inflation has gone up, right? Like, you know, what's happening in my life? A lot of people right now are looking to buy houses, you know, and a couple of years ago, great time to buy a house, low interest rates, but also pretty high housing prices in most areas. Mm -hmm. Well, now the prices haven't really dropped in most areas and the interest rates have gone up, a you lot. know? And so some people, you know, if you have to buy a house out of a deed, go for it, right? Or if you really want this house and it's the right opportunity for you, but have you really gone back and thought, is this the right time for me to invest in a home? Most people don't make those decisions. They make them off of impulsive or emotional needs without planning and, and sitting back and thinking about, okay, like, do I think interest rates are going to go down? How much compounded interest will I have to pay 
by buying a house today versus if I wait a year and I think it's going to go down by two points, right? Yeah. Uh, and and to me, and you know, granted, I am the, one of the data people, right? That's my role in, in my professional career. But these little pieces of information that you gather throughout your life, if you start trying to jot them down in some sort of sequence that makes sense to you, you can accumulate so much more and get so much further in the direction that you're trying to head with your life just by taking that little extra moment and say, hey, I'm going to jot down that number. Like that seems like something that's important to me that I need to remember in my life to get better at the goals I'm trying to achieve, right? Yeah, and I think our minds are kind of like machine learning minds, right? You know, once you kind of practice it, you do it for a while, it then becomes habit. That's easy to get yeah. out of the habit of some of that stuff, but, you know, you just got to focus and and make it happen. And, and I think that that's key at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, we, and you start finding yourself, you know, you, you're talking about your wife with running a marathon, you start to change the way that you think, right? You yeah. start to tuning everything in your life to optimize to those things. And, you know, growing up, it's to share another little fun story. Like we didn't have a ton of extra cash or anything like that. And my friend and I used to compete against how much we could save the biggest discount that we could get off things. <laughs> and you think about it and you're like, yeah, that's funny. Like most kids are looking to like spend all their money on something, but we, we competed against, well, who could get the best deal on something? And by changing our mindset and by tracking all these savings that we had got because we were competitive kids, right? We actually kind of crafted this whole mindset around saving money and made it fun and exciting. It wasn't a task or a burden to go out and get something like shoot shop for coupons or get something 50% up, but it became this mechanism that propelled us. And we did so many funny things to try to brag about the, the discounts that we could get or the profit awesome. that we can make off flipping things, right? <laughs> and I remember video game systems, like we used to wait out in the middle of the night, sometimes for days to buy the latest video game system. And mm -hmm. for everybody else in that line, they were buying that video game system so that they could go play it or for most people, yeah. right? Because they wanted that. We were buying it to go flip it in the parking lot and make 5X off what that video game system cost. <laughs> it's to like brag to one 5, another. right? You know, uh, I don't know if you remember the shortage of it the last couple of years. Uh, yeah. But you can I, make two or three times what you paid. And we, we got to the point where we were bringing supplies, tents, we were, we were um, paying other people a margin of what we were going to make to wait in line with us so that we could buy more systems because they had a limit per person, right? That's awesome. Uh, and, and this was all driven by this mindset that we had of saving and being frugal and trying to uh, bragging rights of who could make them more on these things, you know? Mm. And, and I remember like uh, my first new car, it was another big thing. I waited and haggled with this car dealership. First of all, I drove to the middle of nowhere to the biggest car dealership that I could find to buy my first car. It was this Toyota, right? Yeah. And I had decided to drive to this dealership and go way out and not go to my local dealership because I had done all this research that this was the car dealership that sold the most Toyotas in the whole you know, tri-state area where I'm located in Massachusetts, they were like the biggest and I knew that they had the biggest volume. And so they were probably had the biggest flexibility to provide a discount because their margins were higher. 
And then what I did is I found out, I don't know how I got this. I was talking to one of the sales reps when their quarter ended, because I knew that at the end of the quarter, they were going to be more apt to give a discount because they have quotas they have to meet. Yeah. And then I waited for a day where there was really bad weather. It was a snowstorm. <laughs> so I had the best of like all places and it was a snowstorm end of quarter. And I'm this young college kid trying to buy a car. Um, and, and on top of that, I negotiated with the guy for six hours. Right. And I came back and I was like, I bought a car for 30% less than what I saw at our local market. And I bragged to my friend and that was like <laughs> the new highlighted standard of, well, you got to beat that. Right. And it wasn't, this was all the data that we had collected to make this decision. And at that point, we're doing it for fun, right? But we're saving 30% on a vehicle, right? That otherwise, most people are going into debt on and not thinking about any of this stuff. They're thinking about, oh, I want the premium version of the car because that's the coolest one with all the bells and whistles. Well, that's also the one that depreciates the fastest, right? Yeah, and so true. all these fun things, if you start digging into it, you optimize a problem and you come out so much further ahead than if you were just to make the decision on impulse or because you needed it. Um, just think, it's on a $20,000 car, that would have been $6,000 of a savings. I mean, that's huge. Right, right. So, And for a college kid who's taking out loans, who's trying to mm-hmm. go to college and pay for college, you know, that's, that's, that could be you know, months of living expenses, right? It is months of living expenses. So. <laughs> exactly, and your payment uh, was a lot less. Exactly, and that compounded interest and all these other things. So anyways. You know, I, I think that, you know, what we're getting at is like a lot of people, and we've had this talk with with friends and family, they come to me and some of my other friends who do this stuff and they say, well, how do I get started? Where do I, where do I start? Right. I don't yeah. know anything about data. I'm not a data person. I'm barely a computer person. And my first recommendation always is try to learn Excel if you don't know it. Right. It's the mm-hmm. easiest program. On, on computers that you can use or the Google Sheets or whatever the free alternative is that you want to use. I don't know, man. I feel like Microsoft Word's easier. Yeah, but I think that <laughs> like joking. being able to <laughs> being able to summarize information in some yeah. way that's meaningful and input it in a way that's meaningful. Okay, got it. And then start with a problem that you have or a challenge in your life and work backwards and just start asking yourself, well, what do I need to really make the most informed decision at this level, right? Um, we're building out a little home project right now, right? Mm-hmm. And we decided first off, we, our first question was like, well, what do we need? We either need to hire a builder or do it ourselves. And so we got three quotes from three different builders and we said, no way. Building prices are way too expensive. These contractors mm-hmm. are charging like 10X what they normally would because the demand is so high. So we're going to build this ourselves. Oof. And then we said, okay, well, we're not in a rush what are the prices of all these building materials? And we went on our Home Depot and our Lowe's and Mm -hmm. we started plotting out all the different things that we need to build this home improvement project. And the interesting thing was, I was like, okay, well, is this the most expensive that these prices have ever been or have they gone down a little bit? And there's actually this website you can go onto where you can download all the historical prices of Home Depot. And you can actually then draw a little line graph and say, hey, if I want to build this right now, I'm paying 4x the cost of materials, right? Hmm. If I wait another three months because I think demand is going to go down, I might be able to pay 2x. Yeah. And so, you know, some would look at this and be like, you're just crazy. This is stupid, you know, nuts. But I waited four months 
for the cost of housing materials and said, look, we're going to wait on this project for four months. And I just bought a bunch of two by fours for mm-hmm. 50% less than what they were four months ago. Right. It's great. And I didn't even have the time to start the project, honestly. So it wouldn't have gotten done regardless in four months. Yeah. They probably would have sat in my basement waiting for me to do this build. So, you know, there's so many data sources out there, right? And more advanced tools like Tableau, if you get into it, or mm-hmm. other charting tools or programming languages. But really, like, there is data out there. If you go to things like Google School Scholar or the Pew Research Center or the Fred St. Louis site, which everybody should just know, the Federal Reserve Economic Data site, there's these places where millions of dollars- I didn't know dollars, about that. I'm going to have to go there. Oh, just- Everybody should just remember, and I got this from a professor of mine a long time ago, Fred St. Louis. It is like the most important (laughs) site for economic data in the U.S. And, you know, these these sites, there are millions of dollars in economists that spend tons of time curating and developing and tracking these data sources to enable businesses and also individuals to make more informed decisions about where things are headed in the world. Yeah, and you you mentioned, uh, uh, and we kind of talked a little bit about start collecting data for yourself, like fitness and diet information, et cetera. You know, again, I'm a runner. Um, I use a Garmin watch to collect all of my data. So, you know, I, I, how fast am I running my miles? How slow do I need to go? You know what I mean? Like, I think you have to be specific in that, but it also helps. Do I have, do, did I run a lot of hills in elevation? Did Do I need... Mm-hmm. Do I need more elevation? Do I need less elevation? Am I running a downhill race? You know, and so uh, as I kind of go train for that, you know, I need to, I look at that information on my Garmin, um, you know, to to make decisions on what does my route look like tomorrow? If I got to go run a hilly route, I got to go figure out, you know, a, a route that, that that's hilly, you know, and I can't run the same route that I do all the time because I don't like hills, but I have to go focus in on those hills because, you know, the race I'm going to run is going to be hilly or something like that, you know? So I think it's very yeah. important. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the cool thing is, is that, and we talk about transparency and accountability, right? Mm. Everything around us now, especially in the digital age is bombarding us with signals saying, this is the best deal, right? 50% off mm. or, you know, these shoes will make you run faster. Right. And, even more so now that marketing has just gotten so advanced, we have to use data to actually benchmark. Well, is it really making an impact for me, right? Is upgrading to the latest you know, shoe <laughs> with the gel inserts going to make me run any faster or is it actually gonna slow me down because that gel is significantly heavier in the peel of my shoe, right? Sometimes um, that's trial and error, but yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, and, and I just think that, you know, by looking at information over time in any way that you can when you're making a big decision is, you know, not getting wooed into the, the marketing of a discount. You have, you're empowering yourself to say, actually, you know, you marking this thing off 20% is not a deal because six months ago it was half that price, right? Exactly. Um, or you marked it up and you, mar- you did this whole thing of like, in, you know, intentionally marking up the cost of something so you can discount it, right? And we're actually just spending the same as what everyone else is in the market. So I don't know. I, I just, you know, I hope people enjoy this podcast. I think that the goal is really just to get out there and say, 
start questioning things and logging things and tracking the things that are important to you, whether it's losing weight or buying a new car or investing in a home, understand what it's going to get you and what you're going to get out of it. And if you have that mindset of always shopping for that discount or, or you will get so much further, right? And your money will work for you. You will, you know, and we haven't even started talked about investments, right? There's a whole other side of this. If you're able to save more, you're able to invest more, right? There's somebody who once told me that if you buy a new car, that well, I don't know if it was 30 years or 50 years, but it's the equivalent of giving away a million dollars if you were to invest it compounded, right? Mm-hmm. You were to put $50,000 into a new car now or whatever. That's like a million dollars compounded growth, the way that the S&P 500 is. And again, things have changed now with the instability of the economy and all this, but like these golden rules that like, if you're just able to take a little bit less off the table that you're throwing at these yeah. fun toys that you're buying and you can track that over time and you can watch that money grow for you. Um, yeah, and you've heard of the saying, you know, house rich, money poor, or car rich, money, you yeah. know, they don't really have any money, you know, and, and I like that, you know, making data decisions around your just everyday life and, and instead of spending $50,000 on a car, why not go for the $20,000 car and invest your money, the other $30,000 into, you know, a mutual fund or whatever over time and, and let your money grow for you and just make better decisions. Data allows you to make better decisions. And those are just simple things, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's crazy because like the average American, right, is right around 600,000 or sorry, $60,000 in debt that they're Mm -hmm. holding, you know? And if you look at that across, that's just an average, (laughs) that's just an average. But if you look at that across and it's totally skewed, right. Based off of income and education, that's, that's a sad thing. But if you look at the folks that are in that bottom far left tier, right. They're holding an immense amount of debt and they're accruing more debt just by not taking any action. Right? And you get into these terrible cycles of like being stuck in debt, right? Because you have high interest rates that you can't pay down your debts and you can't get out of it because you aren't able to save. And even if you were, you wouldn't save, you would buy more things. Yeah. And I think that there are so many people in the world that are living with that kind of paycheck to paycheck mentality. Um, and, and it's not just at the, in the poverty levels, like at every level, there are people who, you know, even making tons of money, right? Where they're living paycheck to paycheck because they haven't understood (laughs) the power of money. And I didn't mean to make this like, you know, think about money, right? And we're not doing a money podcast, but it's an easy one to talk about because it's easy to articulate. But anything that you're trying to do in your life, there are so many challenges where if you were just to breathe, take a second, ask yourself the right questions. Am I on track? Am I behind? How can I measure this? You'll drive more transparency and accountability into the direction you're trying to head in your life. Yeah, and I agree. And when you think of, and, and we'll kind of wrap it up, but is fitness, health, finance, every part of the that the data decisions you make in those things will help you just live a better life, you know, and and, and to be cleaner, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah. Well, Michael, this has been really good. Thank you so much uh, for another Data Hurdles podcast. I'm Chris Detzel and I'm Michael Burke. Thank you all for joining. Take care.